0: Hi, I'm Leah Lane, an award-winning travel writer and author of Places I Remember: Tales, Truths, Delights from A Hundred Countries. On this podcast, we share conversations with travelers about fascinating destinations and memorable experiences around the world. A bit later in this episode, we'll be focusing on Sonoma and Napa in Northern California with our guest, travel writer Karen Maseraka. But first, The name of the podcast is Places I Remember, and some of my most delightful travel memories are of vineyards around the world. Yes, in my many years as a travel writer, I've not only been around the block, I've been around the vineyards, drinking in the beauty along with the wine. Let's start in Europe. One of my first wine region trips was to Burgundy, France on my honeymoon many years ago. I remember driving in a British racing green MGB Roadster with the top down through gentle countryside covered in grapevines. But most of all, I remember a six-course meal in the historic town of Beaune, starting with a dozen garlicky buttery earthy escargot and a glass of burgundy. I have never tasted a stale before, but since then I usually order them wherever I see them on a the menu. None have tasted as good to me without that setting and that great local wine. What's called in French winemaking terms, terroir, is derived from the Latin word terra, meaning earth or land. It was originally coined by the French to express a wine's sense of place. And there's no English equivalent. You just feel it when you're in a wine region and you don't easily forget it. Years later in France, I would travel to Provence where Rosé is produced. And I drank it cool overlooking the Mediterranean and to Bordeaux along the Northwestern French coast visiting famed wineries such as Petrus and Chateau Margaux. I remember twirling pasta and sipping wine al fresco among the hills of Tuscany. We talked about that area of Italy with Steve Perillo in episode 13. And I visited vineyards in northern Spain along the sea near the great foodie city of San Sebastian. And we talk about them in episode 17. And then there was Austria with wine taverns near the Danube and along country roads. Each hangs a sign outside or a pine branch or wreath around a burning light to show that it's open. The Austrian name for wine tavern comes from the Austrian expression for this year's wine and came into existence by order of the emperor in 1784. Since then, much has changed, but the local wine taverns maintain a cozy atmosphere, regional specialties, and local wine. And I remember vine-clad slopes along the Moselle and Rhine as I glided by in a riverboat drinking German wine picked from those same vines only a few years before. And you know where else has really good red wine? Bulgaria. I visited some small wineries there about 15 years ago. In South Africa, the wine-growing area near Cape Town is exceptionally beautiful with mountains framing the valleys. The most important South African wine regions are around the towns of Stellenbosch and Parle. Wine Ranges from stunning blockbuster reds to full-bodied Chardonnay and crisp, refreshing Sauvignon Blanc. The towns are like stage sets, and that's the pleasure of wine regions, the food, the beauty, and the arts and the charming towns. I remember the many wine dogs and their vineyard owners that I met in New Zealand in the Marlborough area where the great Sauvignon Blanc is produced. And I remember staying at a lodge on a vineyard outside of Melbourne, Australia, through my window when I awakened kangaroos were jumping around in the distance like giant rabbits. One of the world's newest destinations for viniculture, La Ruta del Vino, is in the mostly rural center of Mexico near San Miguel de Allende, known for year-round spring-like weather and backdrops of evergreen cacti and gorgeous haciendas. And in South America, Chile and Argentina are known for exceptional red wine, along with gauchos on ranches and great slabs of beef to enjoy with a powerful wine. In the States, I visited vineyards in Virginia in upstate New York around the Finger Lakes with their excellent whites in northern Michigan and even north Florida, where a winery produces blueberry wine. Rocky Ozark soil, and long, hot summers provide ideal grape-growing conditions in Missouri. Locals call it Rhineland, but the industry crumbled during Prohibition, hampered by anti-German sentiment following the World War's. Over the past decades, it's returned with American varietals and local grapes taking center stage. Hermann, west of St. Louis, is home to numerous wineries like Stone Hill. And the Herman Wine Trail, one of 11 trails in Missouri, features award-winning wineries, restaurants, museums, and bed and breakfast. A Missouri native, George Hussman, helped put Napa, California on the map for winemaking. The Missouri River Valley was capital of American wine long before Napa was a household name which leads to our focus for this episode. Some of the greatest wines in the world are produced in Northern California, about an hour's drive from San Francisco in delightful Napa and Sonoma counties. And you don't need to enjoy wine to make it a destination. Joining us now to discuss the area is Karen Misuraka. Her new book is Secret Sonoma, A Guide to the Weird, Wonderful, and Obscure. Welcome, Karen, to Places I Remember. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Well, I'm delighted that we're both going to be talking about Sonoma and Napa, which are neighboring counties. What do you think are the biggest differences between those two counties?
1: Well, some people say that Sonoma County 30 years behind Napa County, <laughs> which is kind of nice because I live in the town of Sonoma, which has a Spanish-era plaza and Victorian buildings all around and adobes. It's a very small town, almost a village. And as wonderful as Napa is, it's more of a world-renowned, world-famous destination. So it's it's very different. And we are full of history, full of quirky characters and oddball destinations. We are the home of the father of the California wine industry, however. He was a, a Hungarian Count Arasthi. He led away a wagon train to California in 1849. He was in the state assembly. He ran the San Francisco Mint. And then he decided in 1857 to found Buena Vista Winery, which is the oldest commercial winery in the state. And the Buena Vista Winery is probably the most romantic and historic of all the wineries in Sonoma Valley still today. And Count Harasti in his top hat and frock coat still walks around the plaza in Sonoma spinning tales of uh, the early days of the wine country. The author, Jack London, who is celebrated at Jack London State Park, gorgeous place, he did a lot of experimentation with wines and had a winery. And this time of the year in at Jack London State Park and across the valley here, the miles of vineyards are vibrant, flaming red and gold. So it's really a great time
0: to be here. I walked that park. I didn't even have a car. One of the great things about the destination is it's so close to San Francisco. We just took an Uber and it dropped us off in Glen Ellen. And we just stayed in one of those lovely bed and breakfasts and walked on the main street, and walked over to the park, and visited some of Jack London's haunts, and yes. uh, it was a terrific vacation without a car. You can walk in, through much of this area because the villages are so interesting themselves, and I think Sonoma is more laid back than Napa. That's one of the qualities. It's much bigger. Tell us how far does it reach?
1: Well, as you know, as you probably know, we have a world famous rugged seacoast along the Pacific.
0: The Russian River Valley and,
1: and the Russian River Valley, yeah, and um, and the Sonoma Valley. Santa Rosa is the main city, and then there are small towns all around. We bloomed when San Francisco, the city of San Francisco, was being built. That's when we started to grow here. Also, and the railroads brought people from San Francisco up here, and they established vacation cabins and. And it came up for the hot springs, which still exist in Kenwood, actually, where the Pomo Indians used to gather, and then the railroad passengers gathered. And that hot springs resort is still there, and you float around in hot hot water. <laughs> so lots of history here. We have a whole gang of roadhouses from the gold rush era. Each one, and they're still, you know, stomping on Saturday night at the roadhouses, and they all have their own story. One of my faves is called the Washoe House. It's in West County, and it used to be a hangout of miners and gamblers and Highwaymen and women of colorful repute, so they say, upset by Lincoln's assassination in the 1860s, militiamen got on their horses and their in their uh, wagons and headed out for from Petaluma to Santa Rosa, where they, where they were going to set fire to the Santa Rosa Democrat newspaper, which was favored the South. During Civil War, and and after several hours of being on the road, they stopped for libations at Washoe House, which is the roadhouse, and still is. They settled in at the bar, and that's as far as they got. And uh, so the caper is called the Battle of Washoe House. That never happened. You can go there, and you can look up on this huge ceiling and see all kinds of memorabilia and dollar bills and photos and all kinds of crazy memorabilia from um, the Battle of Washoe.
0: Well, this area has so much to it, and that's why everyone loves it. It's so popular. It's not just the wine, but I'm going to talk a little bit about the wine in Napa because it's one of the greatest wine regions in the world. How how many wineries would you visit in a day? What do you think is optimal?
1: Number one, what I would do, especially in Napa Valley, is make appointments. You don't have to be anybody special to have an appointment at a winery. It really, really helps. And you get a lot fewer people and kind of a higher quality of winery. So I would say, oh boy, if you're going to spend some time there and do a tour or a short tour and enjoy them because they're so beautiful, three or four is a lot, you know, with lunch in between.
0: And you want to enjoy it. You want to not rush. This is one of the things that makes it so special. It's that slow travel we talk about. And if you want to swallow it rather than spit it out, there are ways now you get a designated driver or you get an Uber and it's wonderful. You drink it. I would say you don't have to spit it anymore. So I'll start a little bit about Napa and then we'll come back to Sonoma at the end with some of the more interesting quirky things that you've discovered about it. So the Napa Valley is one of the great regions of the world. It has over 400 physical wineries, over 800 different wine brands, and 95% of them are family-owned. It has Michelin restaurants, spas, and all those good things. What is now called the Judgment of Paris was when two California wines, Chateau Montalena Chardonnay and Stag's Leap Wine Cellars Cabernet Sauvignon, were put to a blind test where they completely dominated over world-renowned French wines. And that's the moment California wines got themselves on the map and were taken really seriously as the best of the best. According to a study in 2014 from the International Wine and Food Society, Napa Valley is responsible for over $50 billion towards the American economy and over 300,000 jobs. So its rise to fame from the, quote, judgment of Paris has shot it through the roof for a small winery area. And also, it's beautiful. It has beautiful vineyards at different elevations, anywhere from sea level to 2,600 feet. And the most prominent grape is the Cabernet Sauvignon. There are others as well, but 40% are cabs. So what can you do in Napa besides drinking wine. Well, it's much smaller than Sonoma, but there's still lots to do. You can play bocce. That's a very popular thing to do in some of the towns. You can fly in a hot air balloon. You can take the Napa Valley wine train. You can go to the Rosa Center for Contemporary Art. And there are five main towns. The American Canyon is the first that you come out of from San Francisco, and that's very good for affordable housing and very close to family fun. There are lots of kid-friendly attractions nearby. The town of Napa is the biggest. It's about 80,000 people. You can walk around downtown there. You can paddle in the Napa River. In Yountville, there are some fabulous luxury accommodations and some great Michelin restaurants, including the French Laundry. You can wander across the street to the culinary gardens of the French Laundry if you don't go in to eat there. And there's also an artsy side to it with lots of art walks and so forth. And St. Helena, well, that has a beautiful main street. You have Beringer and Charles Krug Winery. And you can just enjoy the CIA, the Culinary Institute there for demonstrations in a really interesting old 19th century building. And Calistoga, well, that's a town with a lot of vineyards and As you mentioned, in Sonoma, there are some geothermal hot springs there, lots of spas, and it's just a lovely place to to go and walk around. So that's kind of Napa. Tell us a little bit about Sonoma in terms of the interesting things that you feel we wouldn't otherwise know. You have 84 things in your book for (laughs) Maine. strange. So give us us a couple.
1: Well, one of the... Very lesser known surprises in Sonoma County is the largest privately owned museum of Star Wars memorabilia in the world. In Petaluma, of all places.
0: Is that because George Lucas is a
1: retired former employee of the whole Star Wars world over many years collected incredible memorabilia from original costumes, and movie props, and movies, and collectibles, mostly from the late 70s through mid-80s. mid, mid 80s. It's a very popular place. If you know about it, you will not see it. You have to call and make an appointment, and then they tell you where they are. So that's, that's a real surprise in Sonoma County. And I would say another undiscovered attraction was undiscovered to me, and I'm from here, up in the top in the peak above Sugarloaf State Park, beautiful place in Sonoma Valley. It's the largest reflector telescope in the Western U.S., and it's a whole observatory. And they have wonderful uh, star parties on beautiful, clear nights, and people go up there and look through the big telescope. And all the astronomers are lined up with their telescopes, and it's something very unique to do.
0: I can only imagine after you've been drinking wine all day, to climb the mountain. <laughs> you'll probably see all kinds of things. We
1: have Lots and lots of things for kids to do.
0: I heard about ghosts. Is there someplace supposedly with ghosts?
1: Oh, yes. In fact, the goat, the ghosts, well, we have tons of ghosts, but there's a hidden hillside of ghosts at Buena Vista Winery in Sonoma. And you're walking into this gorgeous forest in order to approach the winery. And up on the hill, you see these sort of misty figures. And there are, well, maybe 15 figures up there including Father of Mission San Francisco is up there, and George Washington's there, Count Horace is there, all the old Luther Burbank, the horticulturists, all the historic figures of Sonoma County are on this uh, ghostly hillside as you walk into Point of Vista. But lots of history here. One of our main attractions is the uh, Charles Schultz Museum, where Charlie Brown and the Peanuts gang were born and are still here. All the Peanuts characters, huge museum, movies, displays of all the cartoons. The Peanuts characters, Charlie Brown, Linus, Lucy, Schroeder, all the gang, are all over the county. And in my new book, Secret Sonoma, you'll find the locations of where to see them. They're out at the airport greeting you as you arrive in Santa Rosa. And they are at shopping centers. There are golf courses all over the county. And it's really fun. They're larger than life size figures
0: Well, you mention in your book some unusual wildlife besides Charlie Brown figures. What what would that be?
1: We have so many microclimates here, and we're near the coast, and we have mountains and valleys. We have a lot of different wildlife. Of course, we have whales off the migrate off the coast. But we have such things as a wastewater plant. Their outflow is completely treated into an incredible bird sanctuary where you can walk all through and watch the migrating birds. It's the most beautiful place. You can see the wastewater plant over there, but...
0: That's happening but, all over the country by the way. Wastewater plants have it. become refuges. I know in Delray Beach, Florida, near where I live, it is a magnificent, you know, repository of of all kinds of uh, wildlife including alligators and birds and it's just become the thing to do to go to the it's wastewater plant. Wonderful
1: idea. And what oh, actually a world-famous place here speaking of wildlife just about in the north end of the Napa Valley. It's called Safari West, and it is laid out on kind of plains and foothills that look just like Africa. Hundreds of gorgeous African plains animals are just wandering out there, and you go into a safari vehicle, and you get you drive all through that, they have tropical birds and snakes, and it's like being in an African zoo, basically. And uh, it's a once in a lifetime activity.
0: Well, you mentioned in your book something about the little shop of horrors with flesh eating plants, speaking yes. of wildlife. Well,
1: Yes, I did mention that. And it was it used to be until I wrote the book, a popular destination during the pandemic. They closed permanently and you can only go online and order carnivorous plants that will you don't want to put your finger into them. And that was a charming place. Maybe (laughs) maybe
0: soon. Uh, You also mentioned about beer lovers that flocked to Sonoma County. Why is that?
1: Well, the Russian River Brewery in Sonoma County is, I would say, world famous for its plenty the elder and plenty the younger brews, which it comes out with once a year, very limited. People come from all over the world, literally, and they stand in long lines, thousands of people in order to get, you know, one bottle or one uh, six pack or whatever of either plenty of the elder or plenty of the younger, wonderful, very unique brews that cult, you know, cult brewery fans, they literally come from around the country. And well,
0: it sounds good. like Sonoma can be a beer uh, <laughs> center, not just a yes. wine center. Oh, yeah. Many, many brewers here, for sure. Well, it sounds very much like Sonoma a great place to visit, whether or not you drink wine. But if you drink wine, it's even better. So Karen, the name of the podcast is Places I Remember. Can you give us your best memory of Northern California area that you live in, or maybe your favorite secret of Sonoma County?
1: My favorite secret, I would say, oh, I, one of my favorite secrets is uh, out on the coast at uh, Goat Rock, pile of rock right, with the beach and everything. Very beautiful. If you know where to look, you will see long scratches in the stone uh, above the beach. And what they are is ice age mammoths, woolly mammoths with their tusks used to scrape along. They used to scratch their back in their tusks right along the goat rock beach in the ice. So that's something that you, do. well, it's without the book secrets, Sonoma, you'll never find that. <laughs> oh,
0: I would never, I've, I've been there and I don't think I noticed that and I'm going to go back. Good <laughs> excuse, right? Well, thank you very much, Karen Misuraka author of Secret Sonoma, for sharing memories of these wonderful regions. I raise a glass to you. Cheers. Oh, thank you. Very fun. Bye-bye, Leah. Thanks for listening to our award-winning podcast. We've recorded over a hundred episodes of Places I Remember, so follow us on any podcast app. And new monthly episodes are also on YouTube with gorgeous video. My book Places I Remember is available in print and Kindle, and I read the audio version. Follow my travel writing at Forbes dot com. Contact me at the links in the show notes or on my website, places I remember dot com and keep making your own travel memories.